Hi, and welcome to the You First podcast. I'm your host, Lauren, and on this show, we talk about how to prioritise your well-being, develop healthy habits, and get the most out of each and every day. Hello, in today's episode, we are talking about all things mental health. Now, I'd really like to keep this episode really honest, open, but also positive, because I think for me personally, something that has really helped me manage my anxiety and mental health is a shift towards a more positive mindset. So I'm really hoping that sharing my story and the things that have helped me to overcome my anxiety will leave you feeling positive and hopeful if it's something that you're also struggling with. Now, to preface this episode, I'm not a doctor nor a therapist, and everything that I'm talking about today is simply my personal experience. If you're struggling yourself, then reach out to your GP or doctor and have that conversation to begin your journey now. I wasn't really sure how to start today's episode, but I thought that it kind of made sense for me to maybe give you a brief history of my mental health journey and experiences. So for me, it all started properly back when I was in my early 20s. I'm sure there are probably some signs and symptoms maybe when I was younger, like perhaps as a child or in my teens. But I was formally diagnosed by a GP with generalised anxiety disorder when I was around 21, 22 years old. The main reason for seeing a doctor back then was because I'd been having a lot of worries and concerns, mainly around my health at the time. I was getting a lot of headaches, my heart was racing constantly and I was experiencing something which I didn't know at the time that was actually a panic attack. So this all came to a head when I was on the train on my way into London for work and it kind of spurred me to go see a doctor and that was when I realised that all these physical symptoms that I'd been experiencing all turned out to be manifestations of anxiety which was caused by burnout and stress over my job at the time. My journey with anxiety ever since that first doctor's appointment has been a roller coaster. There's been many ups, there's been many downs, and I think I thought after that first appointment with the GP, the obvious step was to go to therapy. So I did, I went to therapy, and you know what? Being completely honest with you, it did not work for me back then. I don't know whether I wasn't in the right mind frame to speak to somebody, or whether it just was that the therapist I saw wasn't a good fit for me. I think that's probably the most likely thing and I didn't do what I should have done which was to try multiple therapists. I just kind of gave up and from that point I spent a lot of time, a lot of years just managing my anxieties as the best I could whether that was from reading self-help books or reading things online and also trying to make changes to my lifestyle. Things like changing jobs so I didn't have to commute into London anymore or have the stress of that job or taking more breaks and time to myself and I did things like that to try and remedy the anxiety that I was feeling and I think that I did a decent job I mean at least I'd say so I turned 30 next week so I managed to get through my 20s unscathed for the for the most part so I think I've done something right but when I was faced with a big fallout with a friend a few years ago everything kind of came crashing back down again and it highlighted to me that I really hadn't worked through or tackled all of those underlying issues So a few years ago, in my late 20s, I ended up going back to therapy for the second time. And luckily this time, it really worked. I spent a lot of time unpicking a lot of issues surrounding that fallout. And I think that was just a small part of all the other feelings that I've ever felt. You know, you... The way that we deal with situations is all underpinned by things that we've gone through in the past. The people that we are now, the people 
that we are today and how we act and how we are with our partners, with our friends, with our family, at work, at school, at home, is all because of who we have been growing up and the issues that we might have faced as children or things that we might have gone through when we were younger. They've all shaped us to become the people that we are today. And although I went to therapy about that specific one situation, it ended up giving me so much more awareness about me as a person. I was in therapy for quite some time after that incident and I spent a lot of that time unpicking a lot of the issues around that fallout and I think that maybe now only two and a bit years later I'm seeing the progress that I've made and I noticed the ways in which I deal with challenging times now that maybe a few years ago I, I might not have even had the abilities to deal with them well at all. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about mental health this week on the podcast is because it's actually something that I'm living with on a regular basis. And particularly right now, it's been quite bad the last week. My anxiety has been giving me grief. And it's nice to be able to say that I'm ending my week now on more of a high than I started it. So I thought there was kind of no better time to talk to you guys about my anxiety and mental health than when I'm actually experiencing a bad patch and how I'm working through it. So although anxiety for me is really generalised and I can get anxious or worry about a number of different things, an issue that's been quite poignant for me since I was young has been an anxiety around health. I have some really bad memories of days where I'd prod and poke at my body for hours on end until it was pretty much red and sore because I was so adamantly checking for signs of an illness or a disease that I'd convinced myself that I had. And I also get the same kind of anxiety when like a loved one or a family member, a friend or my partner tells me that they might feel ill or that they're under the weather or they need to go to the doctors for something or they're having tests done. And it's a really troublesome manifestation of my anxiety because for the most part, bar a few things, our health is one thing that's out of our control. Like we can try and live the healthiest lives that we can live, but at the end of the day, our health is something that we can't completely control. And for me, the that understanding and realising that was a big eye-opener because I kind of could then understand and realise that that's where my fear was coming from. The fact that I focused on a particular symptom or an illness or a test or whatever it was, that was just a cover up, you know, the actual worry was about something being out of my control. And that's what I needed to be able to tackle. So the fear was much more deep rooted than just, oh, I've, I've got this really bad headache today. That must be something terrible. You know, I wasn't ever really worried about the headache because I, I chances are I knew that I didn't have something fatal but it was actually the fear of being out of control that, you know, caused me to worry so much about it. Something I wanted to share with you in today's podcast that has really helped me to become more aware of my feelings and anxiety is a list of cognitive distortions. So basically, cognitive distortions, if you've not heard of them before, are ways in which our brains and minds work and behave that kind of lead us to either believe or they convince us of things that really aren't true. So these inaccurate thoughts are usually used to reinforce negative thinking or emotions. So essentially, you'll get sucked into a vortex of negative thinking, which is really hard to get out of because you're just reaching for these 
different thoughts and patterns that are pretty much just sending you around in a circle all the time. You're never, there's nothing ever breaking that cycle. Now, my therapist actually shared this list with me and I do find relating and referring back to them so helpful and comforting because I can usually always align the way I'm feeling to one of these distortions. Now, there are around 15 in total, but I'm just going to share and talk about five of them with you today. The rest I will make available on my website or you can Google them too. If you just Google cognitive distortions, you'll get the same list every single time and you can find the link um, to my website in the show notes. So as I talk through these, you might actually even be able to match some of them with thoughts and feelings that you have. And that awareness is such an awesome place to start. Now, number one is filtering. So filtering is when we take the bad in a situation and we magnify it. So we'll basically put the bad situation under the spotlight, under the microscope, and that is all we will focus on. We will forget about any good, we'll forget about any positives, and we will just zone in and focus on the negative. Number two is black and white thinking. So this is a way of all or nothing thinking, basically. So something has to be perfect or it's not done at all. Basically, you only see like the extreme in the situation. You don't really see both sides. You'll just focus on either the really good or the really bad. And let's be honest, nine times out of 10, it's the really bad that we focus on. We don't ever consider that there's another side to the story. There's always two ways. Things can go well, or things could go badly. Or maybe it could be a mixture of both. It could be a grey area of thinking. Number three is overgeneralization. Now, I am guilty of this one quite a bit. And this is when one single thing happens and we overgeneralize and we base our conclusions on that one single thing. And we will then expect it to happen over and over and over again. So a good example of this could be like getting a bad grade at school or at university or even bad feedback at work. It kind of means that we get that one bit of feedback and we say, well, what's the point now? That's the only feedback I'm ever going to get. I clearly can't do this. This is how it's always going to be. I'm never going to get positive feedback. I'm never going to get a good grade. It kind of means that we just see a never ending pattern of defeat. Now, number four is jumping to conclusions. This is probably my second biggest distortion and I experience this one a lot. So we pretty much all know what this means, right? For example, jumping to conclusions, we might be convinced that someone doesn't like us or they hold a grudge and without even bothering to ask or find out if we're correct, that's pretty much just what we come to the conclusion of. They don't like us, that's it. Not going to bother finding out more, not going to ask, not going to see if I'm wrong. We've just decided that that's the case. And there's also another form of this, which is called fortune telling. Um, That's kind of when we just convince ourselves that something's going to go badly. So we might not even bother attempting it or trying it. Like if you want to give something new a go and you say to yourself, you know what, that's just going to go horrendously wrong. So I'm not even going to bother giving it a go. We're so convinced that we can tell the future and we have a crystal ball and we know what's going to happen that we sometimes won't even give things a try. And the final one for today is catastrophizing. Honestly, the amount of times I've said that word in the last like few days 
practicing for this episode. I've said it so many different ways, but I think I've nailed it today, guys. Catastrophizing. Now, this is my number one for sure. Catastrophizing is when a person expects disaster to strike no matter what. It's always about thinking the worst case scenario is going to happen, regardless of actually like how likely that is or how re- realistic it would actually be for the worst case scenario to happen. It doesn't matter. It could be a million to one, but if you catastrophize, then you're going to think that that bad thing is always going to happen. So as I mentioned, there are around 10 more of these cognitive distortions, but to save some time during the podcast, I'll let you take a look at them either by Googling or checking the links in the show notes. So in terms of what to do next, once you've kind of looked and realised what the distortions are, the next thing to do is to sort of see if you can match any of them up against the way that you're feeling or certain thoughts that you might have. I think once I did that, I started to feel more hopeful for sure, because it really did give me an answer to, you know, some of the big questions that I've had, you know, the whole time I've dealt with anxiety. You've always, I've always wanted to understand why, like how it worked and why I felt this way, why I thought these things, how the thoughts came about. And I think when you start to read about things like cognitive distortions, it all starts to make, I think, a little more sense. And it really did drill into me that my thoughts are not facts. They are not reality. They're not all true. And just because I think something, all of these cognitive distortions, like there's at least 15 of them, right? You read them and you think, wow, the the brain, we really underestimate our minds, I think, sometimes. And I think when you look at things like that, it really actually shows kind of, you know, how little we know, I guess. I mean, we know we're smart people. We're, we're As humans, you know, we're intelligent. We're an intelligent species. But I think when you start to look at things like the way the mind works, you just feel so overwhelmed, I think, by how capable it is of doing its own thing all the time. And sometimes you do feel kind of out of control. But the more you understand something and the more you become aware of it, the more control you do start to gain back. And I think for things like anxiety in particular, understanding cognitive cognitive distortions can really help to understand and to put almost a name or a tag against your feelings and your thoughts. Once we've begun to identify the distortion, there are so many ways of dealing with them from looking at what evidence we have to back our thoughts up. So, oh, sorry, (laughs) I just completely almost knocked my drink over. I do apologise. So, differentiating between opinions and actual facts can be really helpful. Um, So that's, I know it's a lot easier said than done because I have arguments and internal fights with my own mind sometimes about telling myself, look, you've got zero evidence, zero facts to actually back up that thought. Why are you even entertaining it? But it is something that we really need to keep doing and we really need to keep holding ourselves accountable and asking ourselves what facts and what evidence we have to back up the thoughts that we're having because nine times out of ten, probably more than that actually, I'd say even sometimes like 9.5 times out of 10, we don't have any evidence to back up our thoughts. They've just gone off on a little journey of their own and they've snowballed from something really small into something huge. So speaking of opinions, holding ourselves to a higher standard when it comes to self-talk can also be really beneficial. So we are so much harder on ourselves than we are to others when we talk to ourselves. And sometimes we'd never dream of speaking to our friends and families the way that we speak to ourselves. I don't mean 
if you're like me, maybe you're not, and I'm just completely opening myself up here. But I, I mean, I, I talk to myself, as in I'll sit at my desk at work and I'll be like, da 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 da, and I'll just sit here chatting. But I, we, I mean, the internal talks that we have with ourselves, you know, the talks that we have when we when we mess up and we do something wrong, or when we look in the mirror and we say things about ourselves that we would never ever say to our friends or our families and our loved ones so something that we can really do to help ourselves is just hold ourselves to the same standard that we hold everyone else to and I know it's everywhere and it it can be getting a bit cliche I guess I understand that but be kinder to yourself because you're kind to other people right at least I hope you are and you just need to show yourself that same kindness Now, when it comes to mental health and anxiety in particular, I have learned that the statement, a problem shared is a problem halved, is so true. But this doesn't mean that you have to talk to someone else about your feelings if you don't want to, because I get that can be hard and maybe you don't feel like you have anyone to talk to. But alternatively, you can just get it down on a piece of paper. Now, I know that I'm biased when it comes to journaling and I will sing the praises of journaling and say that everyone needs to do or own at least one journal until I'm blue in the face. But that is only because I really do feel as though it's helped me so much. I do try and be open and communicate with my partner and my family and of course my therapist. But there are some days where either I can't do that or I don't want to do it. And on those days I journal. And you will not believe how therapeutic it can be to just rid your mind of certain thoughts and worries by getting them down on paper until you give it a go. I also find that similar to when I say something out loud, it's kind of the same effect. So when I write my fears down on paper, they just seem less real. They, They feel like less intimidating and less frightening and I feel more in control of them too. And that's a really empowering place to be. I've actually created some journal prompts and shared these on my website. Like you don't have to buy a journal. You don't, you don't have to promise. It's good. I mean, you won't regret it, but you don't have to buy an actual journal. Just grab a scrap piece of paper or use notes on your phone even when you're feeling anxious and just take a few of those prompts and answer them. They're, they're just a set of questions. They're not super tough questions, but they are designed to allow you to open up and to become more aware of your feelings and your worries and eventually, hopefully, let them go. And if you are someone who is comfortable with talking, then talk. Talk to friends, talk to family, talk to a therapist if something that is possible and available for you. So speaking from personal experience, my therapy sessions have honestly been 90% me talking and becoming more aware and figuring stuff out for myself and kind of 10% my therapist maybe asking the odd question or giving me some words of encouragement. But essentially, talking you know, gives you the ability to start unraveling, you know, whatever kind of ball you've got going on. So, you know, you might start to unpick things and the more you unpick, the more it becomes easier and the more you begin to understand and the more things make sense. And, you know, the same goes for just talking to your friends. So when I talk to my boyfriend or my friends, I just gain a whole new perspective and you don't have to go deep, deep into the details, you know, sometimes even just going, hey, So I've been having this kind of feeling or this thought today and my friends in particular because they also, you know, are are dealing with things and have, you know, similar things going on. They just get it. And the funny thing I think about mental health sometimes is that 
you can't see it yourself, but you can really see it for other people. You can see what other people need help with and how you can help them. Although you might not be able to apply that to yourself. And I think sometimes speaking to other people gives you that perspective. It gives you an alternative look on what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And you really can gain new clarity and see things more clearly. Sometimes all you need is the space to figure stuff out for yourself, whether that's on a piece of paper, in a journal, in a therapist's office, in a coffee shop with your best friend, on WhatsApp with your best friends or with your family or with your boyfriend. I think as soon as you begin to ask yourself the why and you start to look into, okay, my anxiety and this worry is the top layer. What's causing me that worry? What's the fear behind that? that things start to get more easy to deal with simply because like everything in life, the more we know about things, the more we understand them and we can begin to manage things better the more we know about them. So it's just a no-brainer that that opening up will help and it's difficult but my DMs on Instagram are always open if you need someone to listen to your problems. I'm not qualified therapist. I'm not a doctor, but you know, if you just need a friend, then my DMs are always open. I could probably do multiple podcast episodes on mental health and ways to manage things like anxiety and stress and worrying because it's been my life for the last 10 years. And I don't think there's an easy way for me to wrap this episode up or to kind of tell you what comes next because each of us is so different. But all I want you to take away today is that you are not alone, that there are millions of us going through similar, if not the same sort of experiences that you're going through. And there are ways to cope and there are ways to manage and it will get better. That's all I can say from being an almost 30 year old and having lived with anxiety for the last 10 years at least you know almost that things do get better and things come and go and it comes and goes in waves almost and when you are at the peak of that wave you almost feel like nothing's gonna get better nothing's going to change you're gonna feel like this forever you might not want to feel like that forever and it can be a pretty crappy place to be but then the wave starts to ease off and you start to come down off that wave, the crest of that wave again, and things start to look better. And you know what, if I'm being completely honest, for me, that's how the last 10 years have been. There have been ups and downs, but the more I have begun to learn about anxiety and myself, who I am as a person, things have definitely got easier. And I have been able to manage any kind of anxiety attacks that have arisen, especially over the last couple of years, because I've now got the tools to do that. And if you do anything after today's podcast, all I would do is encourage you to start looking into what works for you. And that can take a long time. It can, it could take months, it could take years to find out what works for you. But if you just start on that journey today by talking to a friend or a family member or your doctor or a therapist and just starting that conversation and beginning that journey, then honestly, you, you won't regret it because no one should have to go through this alone. And 
I honestly, I think that once you begin to become more aware, that's when things start to get a little bit easier. Now, as you know, I always like to end each episode with a quote or a phrase to take with you for the week ahead. And this week's quote is from one of my favourite movies, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And the quote is, Worrying means you suffer twice. I know that's a really simple and short quote and it does make it seem like it's super easy to just switch off the worry and that we shouldn't do it. I know it's not that simple, but it is true. We are putting ourselves through turmoil before we actually need to and sometimes we don't even need to. So becoming more aware of our fears and worries, we can begin to work through them and find ways of turning those negative thoughts on their heads and adopting a more positive mindset. that is it for today's episode of the you first podcast thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion about mental health and my journey with anxiety i really hope today's podcast has maybe helped you or given you a little bit of hope if you're also struggling with something similar so thank you so much for listening please head over to my instagram at lauren e fell to carry on the important conversation about mental health and i will speak to you next week bye